What's up, guys? Welcome back to Engine 25 Reviews, the show where I invite friends, colleagues, academics, others who are way smarter and more qualified than me, and uh, we chat movies, TV shows, and generally just nerd about, about stuff we think is cool. Uh, if you like that, hit that subscribe button, ring that bell, tell your friends. Uh, doing my best to get episodes out at least uh, every two weeks, usually on Sundays. Um, if you ring the bell, you'll never miss one. Uh, I'm also likely going to start doing some short-form mini-reviews, kind of like I used to do on this channel back in the day, because uh, I, I see more movies than I'm able to, to review on the panel shows, because life is a thing. Uh, so just keep an eye out for that. Um, anyway, we're available on YouTube and as an audio podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Uh, just search Engine 25 on your Engine 25 reviews on your favorite service, No Space Ninja 25, or hit one of the links in the notes down below. Uh, my name is Brandon. I'm your host. You can find me at Engine 25 on all the things, uh, sometimes with, with an underscore at the end. Uh, today, we're talking Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Uh, but before we get there, I want to introduce our guests. Uh, there's some uh, some old gaming buddies. Uh, I got my buddy Luke. He is the uh, the dungeon master on Station 42, uh, the Station 42 YouTube channel, where he's running a, a weekly. Is it weekly, Luke? A weekly Pathfinder campaign. Bi-weekly at the moment. Ed editing schedule is subject to my own real life stuffs. Oh, that's yeah. I say bi-weekly. It's been like probably three weeks since the last one of these. Uh, <laughs> and we also have. Uh, Cat Feingold with us, who uh, is also an avid gamer. Um, you can find. Uh, actually, I didn't ask exactly what that Instagram is. Is it is it art that you draw? It's a uh, kit kit ten underscore Honu. It's there on the on the screen. Um, but yeah, tell me tell me about yourself, Cat, and about your about your Instagram. Oh, so uh, I kind of create a small comic, a little bit of a web comic that I'm slowly starting to put out there for people to see. I'm also an avid mini painter, though I'm not great at it. And photos of that are getting put up there as well. Nice. So, and I, said, avid gamer, I uh, am attempting to DM a couple of games right now, and just love to play. Hell yeah! That's uh, you know that's why we're here reviewing reviewing this movie. Um, we we all like to game, uh, and in fact, I I set up something something special for for this one, and I don't really have any specific reason why. I'm just going to do it randomly, I suppose. Um, I can uh, I can roll dice and and they appear on the show and it's roll exciting for me. Um, anyway, what have uh, what have you guys other than Dungeons and Dragons the movie? What have you been watching or playing lately that you it's worth talking about? Uh, I'm in the middle of playing the Resident Evil Four remake over and over again until I can finally unlock the stuff that I want to. Infinite rocket launchers are fun until they go off in your face. That is correct. I agree. <laughs> um, uh, what about you, Kat? What do you what do you got going on? I'm 120 hours deep into Hogwarts Legacy, and I want my own hippogriff. That's all there is to it. <laughs> I that... haven't even played the game, and I want my own hippogriff. <laughs> um, that that sounds uh, sounds great to me. There, you know, I've got some you know some feelings about. Uh, the creator of Harry Potter these days, but let's not get into I that. I talk about it, but it's a thing, it, and that's, that's a rabbit. Having... That's a rabbit hole down underneath the Whomping Willow. We do not need to go down. That is, yeah, that, that is true. We have, we've all got feelings about the the creator, but the the game's actually pretty good. Um, so 
Uh, jumping back around to the movie, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves is directed by Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly. Uh, John and John, as it were, um, was haven't uh, or didn't know offhand a lot of their previous work. They've been writers on a bunch of movies I like, though. Uh, looking at Jonathan Goldstein's uh, Wikipedia here, he wrote Horrible Bosses. Um, he he was a writer on Spider Man Homecoming. Um, yeah, he also unfortunately wrote and directed that that terrible vacation movie with Ed Helms. So so that's a thing. But sometimes uh, you, know, you got to pay rent, you know. You know that's that's how it goes. Um, and um, I, he's a frequent collaborator with uh, John Francis Daly. Apparently, they have a lot of the same credits uh, in the writing space. Um, so uh, so that's pretty cool. They're also a um, a writer on this movie is Chris McKay, and he has written uh, written stuff like the Lego Batman movie. Um, he's the director of the upcoming Renfield movie with where Nicolas Cage plays Dracula. I'm looking forward to go see that. Interesting, yeah the 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 premise intrigued me, but that first trailer was awful some of the some of the newer trailers are are a little more a little more interesting and more of the vibe i was hoping for so um it's probably it's it's on the list for sure yeah. and the, and those writing credits do show in the kind of writing that this movie has i i agree with that completely for sure um so uh where was i the movie premiered at uh, south by southwest in early march and was released on march 31 uh, 2023 by Paramount Pictures had a production budget of around 150 million dollars, and as of re this recording, it is Saturday, April 8th. Um, it's earned a little over 85 million dollars worldwide. Uh, numbers for Friday—that's yesterday—are not reported yet, but um, that is okay. It's not super great. Um, it came out the week before the Mario movie, and the Mario movie is just going to control April. Um, yeah, and also the what was the last big fantasy movie that came out? Wasn't it Warcraft? Like the big high fantasy movie, like like movie. I'm not talking about TV shows or anything, like sure. House of the Dragon or anything, because fantasy movies at the box office lately have kind of been, yeah. But uh, yeah, you're not wrong. I am. Let's see if I can find quickly. But you're you're not wrong, and it's actually I, I am wrong. I think the last big fantasy movie, quote unquote, was Onward, and that barely counts as the kind of fantasy. Movie oh, but but that's a Pixar movie, and that made that made decent money considering it was like the last movie that came out before the pandemic hit. Um, yeah. and it was still you know I don't. Uh, I don't think it did crazy numbers, but it was, you know, it was out for a couple of weeks and then the world ended. But, you know, and I guess that's a, a thing. Um, fantasy has been doing great on TV lately, like with The Witcher. Um, Rings of Power started really strong in the ratings and then it kind of tapered off because it was a big, weird mess. Um, but... Uh, and that's the you know for somebody who actually liked the show and I did a, an episode about it on the channel and it's it's all right uh, a lot of good ideas a lot of weirdness um, but that's a an interesting note about fantasy that I don't think is wrong I also think that it's a similar story we're gonna get and I'll look back on this later in the year but we're gonna get kind of that. A decent, you know, solid to good opening weekends for a lot of stuff. And then they're going to 
they're going to taper off because there's a lot of movies coming out this summer, a lot of big IP movies. Um, almost weekly, like starting with there's a it's April took a step back. It was a bunch. There was a bunch of movies in March. Um, and then with the uh, beginning of April here, there's a couple of weeks like Evil Dead Rise is probably the next big like big ish one. And it's not going to be crazy gonna money, kill. but it's going to do great for for you know, horror movies always make money uh, because they're made for cheap. Um, so it's going to do great in that regard. And horror is the thing that's consistently success, a consistent success at the at the box office right now. Um, but you know, the then it, we go in once Galax or Guardians of the Galaxy three comes out. There is a big IP movie every week basically until August, um, and they cannot all be successful. Um, so, uh, you know, and this movie it came out a week before Mario, and that's probably better for it than coming out a week after Mario. But that 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 Super Mario movie is going to make crazy money. Um, Ill Ill Illumination, those fuck those fucking minions just bring in the cat. It lets <laughs> Illumination do all this really they really just print money, dude. I yeah. I, I, I don't want to take the time now, but like they're um, the the minions movie, the, all all the Despicable Me movies. Um, did very well for animation. Um, and, it, you know, it's not common for animated films to get to, to break a billion dollars, particularly if they're not made by Disney. And at least one or two of those Despicable B movies did it. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a lot of money. And it especially is... When, especially when people go to see the rise of Gru in suits for the memes. Whoops, let me mute my phone. Oh, you, you probably got the same... Um, message yeah. that i did adam's logging in um yeah my, my buddy buddy adam's gonna join us here he's a regular guest on the on the show um but yeah we're just talking about i i would just i i guess i bring it up because i love dungeons and dragons and i like almost surprisingly like i didn't know what to expect from this movie and i really generally really liked it um so i would i would like them to make more of them but you know, Hasbro's not going to do it if it if that number doesn't go up faster or actually Paramount. Hasbro would love to make more movies. Ha Paramount won't do it if it doesn't make make some more money. Um, Hasbro's running damage control right now. Yeah, there has there. Let's we not talk about that we either. Talk about the OGL. But the so uh, just side note for, for people who don't know, there's a the OGL is a it's a point of contention about how content surrounding Dungeons and Dragons is used by its fans uh, and Hasbro tried to do some things to change the OGL in ways that none of us liked um, but we're not we're not here to talk about that we're here to talk about movies um, yeah so it's unless it does really well in like home video I I'm curious if they're going to make another one of these anytime soon it's been a while since the last one and in fact there are more Dungeons and Dragons movies than I was aware of. I, I know about the one from like 2000 with Jeremy Irons. Apparently that movie got two sequels. One of them went was in the movie theater. One of them released in the movie theater and it focused on the Damodar character who is the guy with the squid in his ears. Um, oh, Bruce Payne? I don't sure. I have no idea. The guy, the guy, the guy with blue lips. Yeah, the the blue lips guy. He was the main character. The in, bad guy from Highlander Endgame. <laughs> In the second D&D movie. And then there was a third D &D, there was a third D&D movie that went direct to video like when we were in college that I didn't know about until I was researching for this show. So I've, I've got I've got the animated version of Dragons of Autumn Twilight from Dragonlance. 
Nice. I I have the the first season of the the animated TV series on DVD. I should have brought it. I should have brought it up here. It's it's downstairs on the shelf. Before we get too far away from it, do you want to know why Jeremy Irons was in that D and D movie? It's the I, most. I, it's I the most. It's the most D and D reason. He had just bought a castle and had to pay for it. <laughs> Perfect. Way to go, Jeremy Irons. I wonder if he still has a castle. I, I don't know, but he's he's he, he did Justice League stuff, so he's still around and making money. It's true, and you know, but he didn't. But he did the D and D movie, and somehow he didn't learn because he was also in the Aragon movie. Oh. Yeah, uh, I have hopes that that comes back rebooted because that has promise as basic, simple fantasy. And I I'm love based. I haven't read the books, but based on what I know, I would agree with you. I think it's a terrible movie, but I also haven't read. I don't. I don't know much about it. It seems like an interesting premise. Um, the books they're actually really good a lot of people kind of avoid them because they are labeled young adult but they're they're really good books i would recommend them yeah they're they're very good for a fantasy intro because the, the most complicated thing about them is the magic system which is focused on language but move, moving on we're here to talk about D, not Eric. We are. the inheritance cycle <laughs> and you talk about all sorts of other fantasy things too <laughs> yes yes because you know D is responsible for a lot of that that kind of stuff these days but um yes so dungeons and dragons honor among thieves i you know i um as i'm, I'm going to take uh, host prerogative and go ahead and go first i really enjoyed this movie you know and the the, the i i like the trailers you know but you can never really tell from the trailers but you know I, I it took itself just seriously enough and it's got this like really delightful kind of comedic vibe it's very chris pine uh and fans of chris pine will will understand what that what that means exactly um, he's doing his chris pine thing yeah he and it's like it's they very clearly nailed the vibe of like a D and D party, like and and not just to say that you know because most of the most or all of the classes are represented in there by the by the main characters, but it's also like uh, you know that guy's the class clown and that guy's the nerd and that guy's the the one who talks too much but isn't really saying anything and they're but they're playing a D and D character, um, you know and we've as as fans of the game you know we've all been there so it's um, it's just the. I really like the vibe of this movie is where I, where I'm going. What would you think, Kat? You go ahead. No, I 100% agree. I went in kind of expecting it to be a hot mess. As, Me too. As even, it, 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 even if, you know, even if there was some stuff that I thought was funny, like there were good jokes in the trailer, but you know, like I, <laughs> I expected it to be a total hot mess and I loved every minute of it. Like I truly enjoyed it as a fantasy movie, not just as a D and D nerd, which I thought they did a really great job, not only capturing the, the energy of a table in the characters, because like you said, we've all been there and it absolutely felt like a D and D campaign that they were playing but they did a really great job running that balance of you didn't have to be a D&D player to get the movie. They had just enough exposition to the right characters at the right time with the right phrases for anybody to sit through this movie and to enjoy it as a fantasy movie, not necessarily just as a D&D movie. But you got all the fun Easter eggs for those of us who really enjoy the game, even like newbies like me. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Luke. Wait, did you say something? Oh, oh yeah. I was. Uh, she she was wrapping up, and I was saying, uh, 
kind of trailing off what she was said. Like the only thing that the movie doesn't exactly do is show you where things are in relation to everything else. They, I mean, they show the map that looks like this, like hold during on, the up. opening. Oh yeah, this is the this keep, is the promotional material. This is the promotional material, but they basically show a map like this during the opening credits where the big Dungeons and Dragons honor among thieves things happen. But basically, the entire movie happens like right around here. Like every like every place in the movie is like spitting distance from here. Sorry about the middle finger, but everything about there, all the all the names of places are basically right next to each other, right there. But they don't mention that anywhere. Right? They the do. Movie, they um. You don't have to really. Oh, Adam! Adam's calling me. I'm. I can't. I'm not going to answer. The. Uh, I was going to say that they they make references to Thay, the Red Wizards of Thay, which is another. That's another yeah, place that's pretty far away, but we don't visit that place in the movie. Exactly. Like, for example, the Neverwinter Wood, the city of Neverwinter, the town of Tribor, the Crypt Garden Forest, they're all right next to each other. Hi, Adam. We're in the, we're, we're in the yeah. middle. You're coming in late. Um, Sorry about that. It's okay. You, you, were, you were busy today. But as far as the, the overall tone of the movie, it was hilarious, which I was looking forward to. It was entertaining, and I didn't find anything in it really, like, problematic at all. There, there's, a, there's a couple of, of things I'll get to later based on our little itinerary, but th th there's, a, there's a stance that I take as far as, like, DMs telling a story that it is not the DM's job to be original, it's the DM's job to be entertaining. About 90%... I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yeah. About 90% of the stuff in this movie, you have seen somewhere else. The names are different, the places are different, the order of events is different, but you have seen it before, but there is still that 10% of different or similar things that you've seen before, but done differently, and it, stand, and it helps those stand out really good, like... Like like the, the the effects for halflings instead of just doing what they did in Lord of the Rings and just having sh uh, like body doubles and swapping faces, they just have an effect to make the person small, which which works fine. And the effects in this movie are also like for the most part pretty damn good. It, it, it mostly works there. fine now. It did not work like that in two in in two thousand one when they were making Lord of the Rings, which is why they used a lot of body doubles and camera oh, yeah. effects. <laughs> Yeah but, yeah, but it's like you, you, you've seen, you know. On that note, I do. I, sorry, go ahead, finish your thought. Yeah, it's like you, you've seen, like, the you can see the actor playing themselves, but they are just in post made three feet tall instead of putting their face on, the, on someone who's using camera tricks to appear three feet tall. Go ahead, Adam. And in fact, you can, you can, uh, segue into your thoughts on the movie because that's where we were when you joined in. Okay, cool. So I didn't miss much. Um, but Brandon, to your point, um, by the way, hi again, everybody who's seen one of these shows before. Um, but uh, you made the comment of like uh, practical effects and body doubles and I commend this movie for how many practical effects it's still used. Yes. Like, the Dragonborns and the Tabaxi and all those were still people in costumes. And the Tabaxi looked a little rough, but we only saw it for about 20 seconds. So, like, it's still pretty cool that practical effects, and, and then they were treated respectfully in the movie. They weren't seen as gimmicky or dumb. So they weren't treated that way. Um, the I, yes, you know, there, it's just a very comfortably stuff that exists here. Um, 
even like some of the what what I would say is probably some uncommon race like Aarakocra and there was one of my favorite races there's a like a single shot of a Yanti which is like a snake headed uh, oh. race uh, it was a, a character that was locked up in the prison at the beginning of the movie um, you know so that characters that are and they're at least according to the lore D&D is whatever you, wherever you want it to be but you know th these are relatively unusual races uh, even in the world but they're here and they look they look like they belong there and people aren't they just the people just act like they belong there they're not really weirded out by them um you know which is yes could have could have been mishandled in a lot of ways i would say yeah like like, like the uh, the like the uh no-name prisoner that was getting jurassic park offloaded at the beginning that's apparently a bugbear i originally thought it was an orc thought it was an orc that didn't look like bugbear art but eh, doesn't matter Let's 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 spend the next uh, next hour picking apart what bugbears are supposed to look like. <laughs> bugbear, I'm very opinionated. So, tell tell the the folks at home what a bugbear is. Anyway, bugbear, physically, a bugbear is like the orc version of a goblin. I guess. Well, no, that'd be a hobgoblin. Well, not even there. It's it really is. It's the orc. It's somewhere between like an orc and an ogre. It's big, brutish, hairy. Usually has very long arms. Does the the most of the depictions don't show them quite as piggish as that character was. That's why I didn't think of them as a bugbear. Uh, and I think a, a, like a boar headed, like a pig headed creature is another thing in D anD. D. We go ahead, Luke. It, it is a relatively minor point because it's just a showing that yes, fantasy world where it, it's it's because since the start kind of looks a little bit like you know the north or the wall in game of thrones i think they're just flat out showing us by the way things other than humans exist in this world just to get you guys on the same page um yeah and it's i get like it's very star wars in that way like they you know they're there are people that exist and they're just people that live here and it's you know for in general, very normal for for them, you know. So that's um, yeah. like it doesn't it doesn't bring attention really to the fact that there are these other amazing races there. They're just there, and then people accept it. And it also makes, it also it also makes Rodriguez look badass when she beats the crap out of it. That is also true. Um, he, he he got the uh, he got the monster manual. Hold on, let's see if I can. Oh no, it broke. Yes. Okay. That's a bugbear. That yeah, <laughs> it looks like a like according according to the a game itself. That fifth edition monster manual, yep. Okay. Uh so let uh talking about characters, we kind of mentioned that like the characters here, they're they're all different, they're all unique, and they all kind of they fit into a class. Um, each of our D and D class very uh, very clearly. You know, D and D it's a it's a class based game where you choose uh, you kind of choose ahead what kind of character you want to make and you pick a class based on that. And there are um, fighters which are you know they they fight stuff and then rogues which are like generally kind of sneaky or barbarians which are like big hulking fighters that are like really mad and less specialized uh and then druids which are like nature magic and then you like you know you have very various forms of magic as we go um 
Uh, and, you know, a lot of these are represented in the movie. Chris Pine plays Edgin the Bard. Uh, Hugh Grant plays Forge the Rogue. And by the way, what, uh, what Forge is the name of one of my D&D characters that I used to play. He was a he was a druid, like a master of many forms. Um, Michelle Rodriguez plays Holga the Barbarian. Uh, and then Sophia Lewis. Uh, she's from uh, the It movie. Um, she plays Doric the Druid. Regé Jean Page plays Zenk the Paladin. Zenk with an X, apparently. I learned that from, from Wikipedia a, few, a little while ago. Um, and then Justice Smith uh, plays Simon the Sorcerer. And then the villain... Well, there's another villain, but the... Uh, there's a the there's obviously a, evil looking person. Yes. Uh, <laughs> da uh, Daisy Head plays Sophina, the red wizard. Uh, and by the way, a wizard is actually different than a sorcerer in D&D. You know, they, they wait, seem, wait, wait, you wouldn't know in watching this movie. Here? What? I mean, yeah, she, listen, the red wizards are revealed in the first scene. It's a it's a big deal. Right. But not that she's one. Fair. Um. Oh, you also see it in the trailer, so. Anywho, yeah, there's any, uh, anything anyone wants to talk about regarding the cast. Like, like, like I said earlier, this is a very Chris Pine kind of movie. You know, he's got a very, like, a very specific kind of swagger and sense of humor that this movie, I think, capitalizes on very well. Yeah, um, I, I, actually, I actually saw someone describe it, and I agree with this wholeheartedly, that Chris Pine is a character actor trapped in the body of a leading man. <laughs> that's really funny and also evidently that actually was chris pine actually playing the lute on screen it helped him get the role because he's played the guitar for like 30 years and the lute was close to a ukulele so it wasn't that hard for him to translate so he actually was playing the lute nice you could tell he had to look down and check it check his fingers when he started playing mm -hmm. yeah by the way i enjoyed Every character in this movie, even the ones that showed up for a single scene, every character was great. Even if they were an archetype, they were great. Nothing wrong with being an archetype, I think, as long as, you know, like if you fulfill the archetype effectively and you're, yeah. you know, just generally likable. Yeah, that, that's me kind of saying how, how, how Sophina is your, you know, stock fantasy evil wizard type. It's true, but and she doesn't especially, really, especially doesn't, since that, that forces her to be the straight man against everybody in the main party. That's true, you know, and she doesn't really talk much. Uh, interesting tidbit: she is the daughter of Anthony Head, who plays Giles in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, did yeah. not know that. Um, so that's an an interesting bit well who else did i i've i i really like um sophia lillis and anything i've seen her in um michelle rodriguez is always like the awesome kick-ass kind of woman character um i am not normally a fan of paladins but uh for jean page like he nailed it in such a fantastic way when he was on screen i could not stop watching him just for the sheer charisma and energy he brought his character like it's it was charisma is paladin's secondary stat it was amazing like he was he was really phenomenal in a class that i generally am not a big fan of i kind of want to play a paladin now Cause, because cause they're, they're boring and straight laced or why don't you like paladins um honestly i kind of find their mechanics a little bit 
boring. Like it, it's, it has nothing to do with the role play aspect of them. I just kind of, which is weird because I love warlocks and their thing is I'm going to Eldritch Blast you, but in a paladin, it's like, I'm going to smite you. But it, I don't know. I've just never, I've played one once and I didn't enjoy it because of the mechanics, but watching him on the screen play a paladin, I really want to play one now so badly. Nice. And again, coming and coming out of the theater, I specifically told everyone in our group, which included these two, that uh, Hugh Grant was just going full Willem Dafoe in the Spider-Man movies, leaving no <laughs> scenery unchewed. He is visibly having the time of his life because he's in a D&D movie and I love D&D I love games it's ridiculous that he's in a D&D movie and you know he's like this even a lot of this cast are really talented uh and they're way better than D&D deserves but they are here and they are having a great time and I appreciate it <laughs> and also Hugh Grant's hilarious in this movie that is true his, his comedic timing and the voice he picked ah But also, this is probably this is also probably the best thing I've seen Justice Smith in. Um, yeah, I you know he's he's in the uh, the Pokemon Detective Pikachu movie. He was yeah, he was just kind of there at that one. Yeah, he's because the star was Ryan Reynolds' voice anyway. It's it's true. Um, and then he's in the Jurassic World movies. Uh, I, I, hate, plays... I hated him in, in Fallen Kingdom. I hated his ass. Yeah, and he he's back briefly in Dominion too, and he's just like a. A we like a little like scaredy kind of guy who's not that interesting, um, but if you broke it again, <laughs> or do you, do you guys see what's happening? Oh yes, yep. <laughs> Oops, I'm trying to fix something else and I'm messing up everything else. I'm messing up this. It's okay. I've got a I've got a voice. They don't need to see me. There we go. <laughs> Adam, any any notes on characters and stuff? I think all of the characters were phenomenal. Uh, I always forget how much I enjoy uh, Michelle Rodriguez's characters in any movie that she's in. It's um, true. You know, I've always liked yeah. her in, in the Fast and the Furious movies. You know, it's just, just like she's always around. She's always awesome. Uh, or Avatar. In, in yeah. Avatar she she's like the pilot in the first Avatar movie. I was I was I was sitting here thinking like I was like man Michelle Rodriguez is really underrated and I don't know if she's really if she's underrated or if my brain just keeps underrating her in like when I don't think about her so that was fun uh, Chris Pine was phenomenal no doubt had no doubt there and can we give like five seconds to talk about Bradley Cooper later later <laughs> well okay yeah let's uh, any that'll be the first the first thing um, any other. Uh, specifics we want to talk about in the non-spoiler section i think luke had something to talk about with uh cinematography and just the general kind of visual look of the movie oh yeah um so I, i've seen this movie twice already uh both the times in different theaters one was a bit more run down and uh definitely showing its age and another one was more modern uh, so in in the newer theater the bass kind of drowned out some of the whispery mumbly lines so I mean, there was one time when, when the villain very obviously says, like, kill, like, whispers kill them both. But at the second theater, I could barely hear that. But since I'd seen it at the first theater, I knew it's what they said. Yeah. But the, uh, the cinematography, the primary thing that I want to say is 
This movie has finally learned the lesson that Hollywood for the last eight years has refused to learn, and it's that I don't give a damn how realistic it looks. If it's too dark to see, I can't see what's going on. So whenever there is a dark scene, whether it's there at nighttime around a campfire, literally in the underdark or in the back of a closed wagon, it is lit well enough that I can see everything that's happening on screen and comprehend it. Like, even when they're in the underdark, they've got bioluminescent fungus giving everything that Disney lime green be prepared glow until they get to a place where it's illuminated orange because there's lava or they actually turn up the orange light for firelight when they're sitting around like at night or campfire. You can see what's happening in the movie. Hollywood, That's Battle of Winterfell. Appreciated. Yes. Take notes. But, but also the the fight scenes it, it wasn't one of those choppy edited like no shot lasts longer than three second things like th there are extended bits of fight choreography that you get to see because the camera stays on it for like a good 20 seconds like uh, like when Zank is fighting you get to see all of that happen and it just proves how much of a badass he is that's true he's a dude with a sword and he's beautiful and he kicks ass with it Oh yeah, <laughs> I especially I especially also like that they worked in the sword and the sorcerer yo dog sword. Yo dog, I heard you like weapons, so I put weapons in your weapons so you can use weapons while you use your weapons. Perfect. Because yeah, he fires off the, the thing and there's a dagger left behind. Spoiler, yeah. Yeah, that's the rules here aren't 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 that specific, or you know they're they're, 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 not, they're not well enforced. That's not a plot thing. That's more just like a, an idea that's not plot relevant at all. It just looks... The directors specifically said that they went more rule of cool instead of adhering directly to 5th edition rules, which is why Sophia is able to use more than one level 9 spell without resting. The that reminds, um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and one of the uh, one of the shows I listen to, it's Cinephiles with uh, John Roca. Um, and he... Um, they're, they've been doing the Quentin Tarantino movies, and they recently did an episode on um, the Django Unchained. Uh, on Django Unchained, and they're you know they kept bringing up this point of a thing that uh, Quentin Tarantino once said was never let authenticity get in the way of a good story. And exactly. <laughs> because they're you know like there are weapons that didn't exist and language that wouldn't have been used after the you know in the Civil War like Annabella or you know Annabella blah blah blah. But there's uh you know in general I agree with that sentiment. Um, so I don't I don't I enjoy the lore, but I don't pick it apart if you tell me if you tell me a good story and I'm having fun in the meantime. Um, any uh, I think it's uh, go ahead. It's also problematic to start fussing about lore Dungeons and Dragons because I mean the game itself explains that you know you can change things at your table we don't know who the DM is for this story being told and also Oryx Wild Shapes especially I know some people had problems with it but by the new rules it's not out by the, the rules that will be coming up soon the next so, edition so, rule for 1D&D &D. Mm -hmm. for 1D&D it's within it's already within the rules. So, and that she couldn't change into an owl bear, for example. She's in the trailer and people complain about. 
but it was cool. Why can't she turn, change into an owl bear? Owl bears are owl cool. Bears. Because bears they're magical are beasts, not human beasts. Rules. <laughs> hey, well, and then, and then my nitpick to that, my nitpick to respond to those nitpicks would be that, well, nothing that she does as an owl bear is any different than she could have done as a brown bear, which is what everybody who wild shapes in fifth edition wild shapes into anywhere because it has the best stat block. So maybe it's just a brown bear that the DM said, sure, you can look like an owl bear. Yeah. I would file that at my table. <laughs> in, in defense of that, both of those things are terrifying. Brown bears and owl bears. <laughs> Agreed. As a complete side note, your arbitrary rolling has the player in me with like a, a moment because anyone else who's a player that's watching this knows that the, the dungeon master will arbitrarily roll behind the screen and you have that moment where you're like, what is he about to do now? Or what are they planning to throw at us? And every time you roll a dice and then move it, I'm like, we're going to change something any moment now. Maybe we are. Okay, you were, I couldn't you were looking it. for... Go ahead. Go ahead, Adam. When we have to respond to one of your questions, roll initiative for us. <laughs> yes. That could be fun. And see if we can get the die to end on our screens. Yeah. yeah. That's hard. Like, it's hard even just to know when it's going to land under the camera. <laughs> yeah, and you're also, you're, you're also rolling on a mouse. It, and then once it's, once it's rolled, then set it next to our screen so we know which order we're in. There we go. And then you don't have to keep up with what color. Yeah, right on top of my face. Thank you. <laughs> well, Adam you got a three. Thanks. Well, you haven't asked the question yet. That's true. I didn't even know we were in combat. Yeah. I, I, I got one. I got one more uh, movie making thing before we move on, though, that I just realized. Yeah, yeah. You were talking about Django Unchained, and I remember seeing Django Unchained in theater. And then we, when we got out of it, I was like, "Wait, that was almost three hours long. It didn't feel like it." This movie's like what? Did two you, hours. I, two I hours definitely saw Django Unchained with Adam. Were you there with us? Uh, yes, I think I was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I go, we got out. I was like, that was almost three hours. It didn't feel like it. I think this movie's like what, two hours, fifteen minutes, or something. Uh, yeah, it says an hour and thirty-four minutes according to Wikipedia. Really? So with, with opening day uh, preview that notches it in just over two hours. Okay, because with that, with that amount of time for this, two movie, hours and thirty-four. What did I say? It's one hundred and thirty-four minutes. Two hours and fourteen oh. minutes. There, there we go. I was about to say, that's, say? that's yeah. I was like, that's you, I. You said yeah, an hour thirty. An hour and a half. I was like, that does feel short. That's not right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No. Well, it's one hundred and thirty-four no, was the correct number. <laughs> okay, so, so two hours, so so two hours fifteen minutes. This movie did not feel like it was two hours and fifteen minutes. This one felt a lot shorter. The pacing is really, really good, and they fit a lot in there. I agree it, with that. You know, it's but it, it, it felt long. It didn't feel too long because yeah, the pacing was great. And I think I think this will be a great example for future players and dungeon masters in like how how to handle a game, especially like how to handle travel in a game. Because there's several times in the movie where they're like, Oh, we're gonna go do this and a lot of tables would struggle with, all right, how many things happen on the road between point A and point B and in some cases, the traveling from point A to point B in a campaign becomes the entire six-year-long campaign. I have no experience with this whatsoever. In this movie, when it wasn't important, they just got from point A to point B and then did the thing. That's only matter. There, an old an old D and G joke that I've always liked is Dungeons and Dragons is the game where it takes thirty seconds to walk a hundred miles and six and a half hours to do twelve seconds of combat. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if there's a lot of casters. 
That's true. Fuck mages. I just like I just want to, to roll my big I just want to swing my big sword most of the time. I like I like I like melee. Um I, I also I also saw that apparently all of the uh all of the wild shape animals were all CG and and Sophia was a little like like really we're not gonna have any real animals for this wild shape stuff like considering the stuff that these wild shape animals get into there's a big risk of them not being able to put no animals were harmed in the making of this movie otherwise and working with animals is complicated especially when you have stuff like wolves and bears and large birds, birds large creatures displacer beasts owl bears gelatinous um so I think, you know, it's obvious we all like the movie. I'm going to go ahead and throw the spoiler thing out there. Uh, so, yeah, any anyone watching, listening, um, we are now, you know, we're feel we're going to feel free to talk about anything we want. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, I recommend you go do that uh, and then come back and watch the rest of the show. Um, but, yeah, so the first thing I, I want to talk about is uh, that. There, yep. there on the on the screen is a uh it's uh it's it's a what 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 do they call it in in the what in the memes with the young people um vague memes or like on memes out of context spoilers, 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 spoilers context. yeah so for for the audio listeners i've thrown the picture of a blue mini cooper uh, over everybody's faces uh, and it's because we we made mention of it uh, a little bit ago but bradley cooper plays a halfling in this movie and it's wonderful who used to be married to michelle rodriguez care every single one of our main party members has familial tragedy in their backstories edgen's wife is dead holga was exiled from her tribe because she fell in love with an outsider halfling bradley cooper uh, Simon the sorcerer can't live up to his family's arcane legacy, and Doric is a tiefling abandoned by her parents and raised by forest druids. Very, uh, no happy families in D and D backstories. Yeah, very D and D. No, I love the the Bradley Cooper scene with M Michelle Rodriguez because uh, very rare in Hollywood that we see a healthy into a relationship. Either somebody's still holding on to something, or somebody's bitter, or somebody's angry. But we saw what it was really like. It was awkward because those situations are awkward, and it's just like it was. It was very intriguing to me to see a healthy end to a relationship, and there's still emotions on both sides. That's the way it is. But like is. D and D part aside, and hilarity aside, like it was refreshing to see something come out of Hollywood, going a healthy end to a mutual healthy end to a relationship because of d distance and just what they thought would happen didn't work out that way. Well, I, I think I read a, I read an article that said that they added that scene in post-production and uh, it was a, it was a good example of two characters who gave up everything to be together only to then realize that they don't really go together. It's like the ending of the graduate. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Right. That scene was refreshing for that reason. So less heavy. It was also hilarious. Because, because because the halfling is a type for human-sized barbarian to weapon. someone in a giant chair, and then, or you know, actually in a regular-sized chair, and then it cuts, and then there's a tiny little Bradley Cooper sitting in the chair. And when he first was on screen, I was like, "Wait a minute, is that is that Bradley?" I wasn't it even is. looking. Like I was like digging in my popcorn buckets, and then I looked up, and there was a tiny Bradley Cooper, and I burst out laughing. And like, yeah. and it's probably after everyone else had already had their little chuckle. 
Um, so, you know, in my, in my defense, the first theater I saw it on the screen was tiny and you were really far away. So the fact that he was also small wasn't helping. That was, uh, that was the, that was the first of two cameos in the movie that I had to research what the second one was. Does anybody else know what the second cameo was? I feel bad if you missed it because he's in heavy prosthetics. Hold on. Well, I, well, I, I, I feel like Wikipedia. I, uh, I feel like well, I, 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 I read this too, but I couldn't remember what it was. Tom Morello. Wait, what? Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. Oh, yeah. In the arena. Yeah. And the character what? that he played was his character that he played. That's awesome. Nice. So he got, he got killed in the movie. We're in spoilers now. So, yeah. Yeah. He was oh. there for five seconds. So, it's not like there's any emotional buy in. But, yeah, apparently that was Tom Morello. So, again, no worries if you didn't recognize him because he has like a prosthetic nose taking up his entire face. And a, and a I don't big know. Ass I don't know that I would recognize him just in general. Like if I just saw him in a movie, well, you know, because he has a look. And if I saw him like looking like he, like Tom Morello, I would know. But I don't know if I would know his face well enough. And normally, I would probably, I would probably see him and say he looks familiar. But then I'd have to Google it who he was. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. He's always got like a ball cap, and he's he's got like a a, a button up, and his he's got his bass um, or his guitar. But yeah, it's like a. I don't know. Yeah, I'm looking at him right now, and I would not just know that it was Tom Morello. <laughs> Isn't that Moby in a in a baseball cap? <laughs> Perhaps. So the the basic conceit here. Um, is that Chris Pine's character, uh, is it the Harpers? Yes. That he's a, yeah, yeah. Um, so he, uh, he, you know, he's a member of the Harpers and they do good deeds and they take nothing for themselves or blah, blah, blah. And then his, they are, um, they are the spies for the force of good in the forgotten realms. Yes. Thank you for, for knowing more than me about things. <laughs> That's why I have the dungeon master costume. That is true. Um, Another lovely cameo, the the costumes from the eighties show. So as yeah. um indeed, yeah, yeah. Uh, later later in the movie, if uh, anyone we mentioned the D D cartoon a little while ago and costumes of those characters uh, appear at the uh, the big uh, in the big arena finale, um as some other other folks who were stuck in the arena. But uh, where where was I going with this? Oh yeah, yeah. So the um, the kind of conceit of the movie is Chris Pine's character, Edgen, he's a member of the Harpers, and then through uh, th through some some fault of his own, his um, wife uh, is killed by a red wizard of Thay. So he spends the next, uh, he spends the rest of the movie trying to uh, seek out this specific treasure because there's a magical item in this treasure hoard that will allow him to resurrect his wife. Uh, and then he gets arrested, and then we catch up with he with him and Holga uh, at the beginning of the movie, trying to Three break out later. of jail. Uh, Holga, played by uh, Michelle Rodriguez, um, and you know they they break out of jail in a in a comical way. And if anyone, uh, I love that the the dragon get like there's a dragonborn. He's one of the council trying to let it, like, but we were gonna sign your release. Improve your bond. It's like nope. I'm 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 committed to this plan. I love this plan. It's a good idea, and it's going to make for a great story. But, but, uh, all right, fine. Point out that's like almost every single table, though. If you ever played as a Dungeons and Dragons player, 
every single table has something like that where your dm's like i was just gonna let you find whatever man do do you do you sitting there like yeah for us to have this story i have to get y'all out of rebel's end i'm not just gonna let you sit there and rot but no the players decided to go their own route yeah but uh, <laughs> adam what was it that we coined uh, in college occam's cudgel was <laughs> basically cudgel, yeah. the most complicated Maybe. solution is going to be the one they take um so yeah so we they they break out of jail by tackling the aracocra out of the window which is like a giant bird man um <laughs> had to use him as a parachute so they could dive out of the tower um and then we uh spend the rest of the movie kind of kind of getting the team back together um uh, so that we can go uh to do what was the the city it's a major D&D city. Neverwinter. Neverwinter. Never yeah, there. Um, I, I I keep wanting to, I keep wanting to say that it was Waterdeep, but I knew it wasn't Waterdeep. Um, uh, they they name drop Waterdeep and Baldur's Gate once or twice. Yeah, uh, because they're they're all they're all story cities on the Sword Coast, right? They're all major cities that are relatively close together. Yeah, like Neverwinter, Waterdeep, Baldur's Gate. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so they're within a few hundred miles of yeah, each other. Water's they're all, all on the west coast. Water deep, never winter. Uh, and never winter's funny because it's like always winter there because it's up in the north area. Um, yep. Who I don't I don't know who names these things, but um, who is uh, cat? Who's your favorite character in the party, and why was it you? You mentioned. Uh, the paladin. Is it probably the paladin, or is it somebody else? So that's a really good question. I think I think my favorite character of the entire party is probably Simon. That's yeah. I was gonna say because he's just. I mean, you you see it from the beginning because reverse gravity is a huge spell. It's really high up there, so you know he's he has capability as a sorcerer. So he has the capability. He just. He lacks the self-esteem, and it's really, really unusual to have a sorcerer without self-esteem. But he just, I really enjoyed the sorcerer in this party. I felt that uh, that Simon, played by Justice Smith, just brought something to the party that just, just worked. Like, you expected Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez to, to be who they were, to be those eye-catching people. Um, and I have not yet had the pleasure, outside of this movie, of seeing Sophia Lewis in anything else uh, because I'm a bad movie watcher. But I really, really enjoyed the the place that Simon the Sorcerer was in the team. I just felt like he was really, I hate to say it, he kind of just helped the cohesiveness of it. And I really enjoyed how he played the Sorcerer. That's all a Sorcerer with a charisma of seven. Exactly. Like his journey to becoming a better version of himself in this movie was really great. Speaking of, uh, uh, Edgen name drops that he's descended from Elminster, one of the like most famous wizards in the setting and the lore. And that guy that shows up in those two vision scenes—it's supposed to Simon be Elminster. Had, it is Elminster. It's yeah. actually him. So Edgen wasn't bullshitting. He is descended from Elminster Omar. But yeah. So Simon the Sorcerer, my favorite, I think. What? Well, um. Hold on. Hold on. If it's uh -oh. higher than a ten, Adam, go next. It's a ten. <laughs> Luke, who's your favorite character? <laughs> uh, I was not higher, not higher than a ten. I, I I do legitimately kind of have a tie between Simon and Zank. 
just because nice. Zank did so much. He, he's a we're in spoilers, so Zank is not part of the party for the entire campaign. He is the DMPC that shows up for a session because because there's going to be a dragon and they might need help. But, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Yeah, that's why I use that example. But yeah, J Justice Smith is hilarious, awkward. His, his attempts to continue to flirt with Doric are constantly hilarious. And she's just like, not not that she's having none of it, but she's just like so stoic not, and not dismissive now. of not it. Now. Yeah, it's just like... We're in the middle of something. Flirt later. We're, 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 we're busy. Yeah, but, but, but Zank, it's just, let's just, let's just take the uh, Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. No, I don't, I don't do metaphor. It's like, it's like, I do not traffic in colloquialisms. It's like, <laughs> to, to hell with the metaphors, uh, son of a bitch. You, you blame his mother for his corruption. It's, he, he's so encapsulating that, that stereotype of paladins being lawful stupid, but he's not stupid. He has all of those, for lack of a better term, highfalutin fantasy lines it's true that stand out so much compared to everybody else in the party that everybody else is just like who is this guy what's he talking yeah. about you know, most people in this movie like talk pretty normal except for him really go ahead high wisdom, low, high wisdom low intelligence oh yeah and that he has the world by the way i also learned that World's greatest exit that was actually improvised by uh, Renee at the time because it's just like, all right, let's just keep the camera rolling until something obviously makes us stop. So the whole rock thing was entirely him on the spot, apparently. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just love how we're watching and just off camera, we just have Edgar going, Oh, what's he gonna do? Huh? huh? What's he gonna do? <laughs> I. Uh, that's one of my of the four funniest things in the movie. That's one of them. The the, the other one uh, I I referenced because after after Adam, I think we're going to want to talk about Fat Dragon. We we <laughs> definitely want to talk about Fat Dragon. Uh, before we get there, Adam, who's your who's your favorite? He has a name. Uh, has a name. We're going to get there later, but party oh, first. It does have a name. Yes. Yeah, it's not just Fat Dragon. Uh. My favorite character. I knew you were asking this, and I still... I don't know. I liked everybody. Uh, my wife is over here whispering Doric, Doric in my ear. Um, but, like... Like, all of the characters. There aren't any There aren't any characters I dislike. I even liked Hugh Grant, like, as an antagonist, anti-hero, villain. Well, not even anti-hero, like, pro-villain? I don't know what it would be. But, like... Villain versus villain power. The characters were great. If I, if you, if you like, you know, torture device and told me to pick one as my favorite, I'd probably say Michelle Rodriguez because I really liked. Like, yes, she's just another human character in uh, a party of four, uh, four characters where two of them are human, but she's a regat nomad, which is a pretty cool dive into Forgotten Realms lore. One more, one more note on the characters because this is less uh, obvious. Um, I'm going to try your your initiative thing. Oh, I, I, there was no way I could have done that on purpose. That they all like landed sort of within the windows. Okay, so we'll go with this order de de descending. This is a six. Uh, 
Um, I, I can see the dot. <laughs> what? Um, what are the? Uh, what's the alignment of each character? What do we think? And it's you know some of them. You know, a paladin is supposed to be lawful good. Uh, and for for those who don't know who, because um, we're talking a lot of D and D inside baseball here. Um, your your character has a class. You also at character creation you choose your alignment, which is kind of like, kind of sorta your your moral standing. Are you you know are you out for yourself? Do you mostly want to do you want to protect people? Are you greedy? Blah blah blah. And it has two axes. One is uh, law versus chaos, and one is good versus evil. So you are one of each of those two things. Um, With neutral in the middle. Yeah, and neutral is in is in the middle of each axis um so i, I guarantee am... you've seen these alignment chart memes online somewhere if you don't know what they were talking about this is it yeah and it's, so i am i'm curious i i suspect most of them are somewhere in the good area um i'm gonna go ahead and throw out that hugh grant is chaotic neutral he don't give a shit about nobody but himself uh he doesn't you yeah. know but he's not like i the reason i don't say he's evil is he doesn't really want to hurt other people he just wants to take their money and run you know so he it's, just he just wants to leave the room yes he says he, he wants to leave the room and doesn't doesn't want you to notice that he robbed you blind um so but what about what about some other people adam you got uh, you got the highest initiative which is a seven which is embarrassing but uh you can go first uh, am I just picking one character? Uh, uh, how many? Yeah, just uh, throw throw out throw out one, whatever you think, and then if someone else disagrees, they can chime in. Uh, I would go with Edgen and say that he's neutral good. Okay. Oh, uh, like he he's neutral. He's neutral good who hit hard times and is and then thinks he became chaotic neutral. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, you know, because like he does have a very like kind of personal like i don't want you know he's not a greedy person but it's a it's a his goal is very like personally self-motivated uh in that he wants to resurrect his his wife and later on he kind of determined kind of realizes that maybe that's not the right person he should pick but you know i, I dig that he doesn't uh i don't think he wants to resurrect his wife because he wants his wife back because that's part of it but he wants to resurrect his daughter's mother which is why we get at the end yeah. that's who he ends up with. He, he makes he makes a turn and we'll talk about that uh in a in a little bit in more detail um oh yeah. And, yeah. oh and before we move on for all of you gamers uh who haven't seen the movie shame on you one and two they name drop the fact that clerics can't resurrect her because she was killed by a special dagger that's why continue they do they they make that very clear um uh luke pick who uh pick, pick a character and see if you can uh nail their alignment uh, uh for the entirely opposite reason uh doric is also neutral good primarily this is just mechanically because druids druids have to be neutral on at least one thing but she as soon as they find out like hey the guy who's tearing down your home we're going to go pants him in front of the entire world. She's like, oh, okay, let's go punish the evil guy. I'm in. And, and she, and she, and as soon as she finds out the people are like liars, she immediately starts like, and I thought you were better than this whole thing. That's a very good person thing to do. If you like find out you've been betrayed, you start feeling like personally wounded within the context that it happens. It makes me say that she's neutral. Good. All things considered. Okay. Um, cat. 
What you, what alignment do we think uh, Holga is? Oh, gosh. Or if you have a different one, go ahead. But I'm also curious what we think about Holga. <laughs> um, let me think. Holga. So, I guess. See, I'm a bad person to ask about alignments because I have a real rough time with alignments on my own characters, let alone looking at somebody else's character and then going, oh, well, I think blank for them. And also, uh, they, they did release official character sheets for these for these movie characters. We're not looking at those. No, we're not looking I, at those. I literally movies. had no idea. I came up with this. It wasn't even in the run of show. I came up with this question on the fly. Oh. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. I'm so bad at this part. I'm going to go with she's... I'm going to go true neutral for her. Why not? You think so? Why do you say that? So... I don't necessarily like. All right, how to say this without being like. So, I think that if you messed with her family, she would mess you up. Like she, her character gives me the the general feel that she has ties to Edgin and his daughter. And so they're her family. So she's going to do everything for her family. I think that if something happened and she straight up had to murder Ford, she would have done it for them. Like she was very go with the flow for. Yeah. She's super just like, she didn't really concern herself about what was right or what was good or what was bad. It was very much like what is going to be best for, you know, my people, the people that I'm with, the people that I associate as family, like family is everything. And I feel like, because of that, she would have done anything that she needed to. Did you have another another character remind you were about to say? Nope, nope, that's it. We're good. Okay. I'm terrible at alignments. I'm so bad. I think it goes without saying that uh, Sofina is neutral evil. Probably. What about uh, what about Simon? You know, because we when we oh, first really meet Simon, he's trying to rob people. He's robbing people while casting precious invitation and making critical role references. Yeah. No, Simon's neutral. You think so? Okay. I like it. I like it. So we we mentioned um, the the fat dragon. The fat dragon is actually Thimbershode, who is a a character. Uh, written uh in D D lore who you know he, he he's a red dragon a very very old one who lives in the underdark supposed to be very large and slovenly and this one oh, they got that part down interpreted that as he's like horrendously overweight and just very yeah Which uh, in, in, with, in, in the in the lore he's gotten so fat and so big that nominally he can't actually leave his cave or lair that's why he has like like servants and butlers to bring him food and stuff. But here we have a dragon in the Underdark and he's fat. And that's hilarious. He is play. He's quite a chunk and I want him so much. And all, all the funny so ways all the funny scene, ways to make a fat dragon move around. See, this scene is my biggest gripe of the entire movie. Not necessarily for the, the fat dragon parts because he's adorably in every way. They have a plan the fact, let's say it's the fact that we once again, and this is a this is a, a one of the cardinal sins that the old what two thousand one Dungeons and Dragons movie made as well, is that all right, you just made a dragon into a big scary dinosaur that breathes fire. Yeah. And yeah. in D and D dragons are very intelligent and they talk and they have personalities 
And I was waiting for like that moment, like when they're trapped in the cave with him, like right behind him, that he started talking to them and he didn't do that. And I was like, you just like, I had the same thought. You're not facing a dragon. A dragon is supposed to be very intelligent and talk to you. The best D&D yeah. dragon is still Smaug from the Hobbit movies. And the, the best scene in any of those movies is like the 30 minutes where Bilbo and Smaug are just talking. They're yeah. Just... And it, I would also love to find out how he ended up where he was because the the city that they were in is not where he is in the lore. I can't remember it's, the name of where he is in the lore, but and they do mention it. I think. No, no. Yeah, I think he's Zank from, says, he's he from Grandstone, and they encounter him in Dolblind. Right, um, but I think Zank says it that he's there. That this is new for him because isn't there another dragon in Dolblind that like I think once upon a time black? there once upon a time there was it was a, it was a black Draco lich that's what I thought oh that's an old dragon for the uninitiated uh, basically imagine any of the undead dragons from World of Warcraft but I'm with yeah. you Adam I was very disappointed that there was no dialogue no intellectual discourse no monologue how long the movie was and how much stuff they had into it I'm fairly certain that that was cut for time because Possibly. A, a, conversa a conversation with the dragon like we were saying like it's a menacing affair if you're there in its lair referencing the Hobbit movies again that's another 20-30 minutes onto a movie that's already over two hours long I still would have been even happy with it if he had shouted at them for being trespassers. Like, let's yes. be honest, any yeah. words out of his yeah, mouth. That he's something other than like an arrow dinosaur. Yeah. yeah. Because, I'm with you 100% yeah. on that. As, as an established dragon, he has he has lines he has said in lore, so he can talk. He just chooses not to because. He, he just wants he, to eat everything. Yeah. Yeah, they make they almost make they make it a joke. Um, uh, even so, even yeah. even if it wasn't, if there was no meaningful dialogue, like you said, Brandon. Even if he was like as he was chasing things across, he made like comments like "Ooh, that's a tasty morsel" or anything uh, like that to establish no this this dragon is a person essentially and talks and has a personality. Then like it's not just yeah a big scary dinosaur that breathes fire. Yeah, I mean, I, I in in my game, I just had to DM a dragon for a battle against my party members, and it's a party made up of entirely DPS characters, so it didn't last very long. But the dragon was busy, like you know, roaring at them, like calling them like aperitifs, and like how they're going to be crushed beneath her wings and things like that. And all, all the scary, you know, usual dragon. I'm bigger. I, I'm bigger. I'm better. I'm higher on the food chain. Get in my belly! Stuff that they usually do. No, ah, uh, fine. Um, yes, a fat a... bastard reference was on purpose. Of course, it was. Was I'm there? Um, <laughs> well, there, there was another another moment that confused me. Oh, is there? Is there a puppy? Is that the puppy? Oh, hello, Flynn. This is the new pup. This Flynn. Hi, Flynn. And you're now internet famous. What up, dog? I don't, know, I, don't, I don't have enough followers on YouTube for him to be internet famous, but it it, it, it can't hurt. I don't. Know. I don't know. Cute dog uh, launched an entire John Wick franchise. This might get you a big viewer spike. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. 
Um, what what about how did we feel about uh, the moment where Zinc has this big like triumphant running like stab motion on the and he drives a sword into the dragon's skull and then the dragon is just like okay after that. I mean, I mean, I mean that that that's that's it's clearly not fatal, but primarily that was a trailer shot. But yes, that's uh, true. Yeah, yeah. It, it's basically just to. It, it's like I'm trying to do this without spoiling boots. But basically, just it, it's the idea of like hitting somebody with something to make them go ow and drop what they're doing. It's just that the head was closer, and he needed to close the mouth before Edgin got barbecued. Barbecued Edgin, not what's yeah. for dinner. Not what's for dinner. Yeah. I also really like it because it kind of plays into the, and I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it kind of plays into the whole concept on how people use hit points in Dungeons and Dragons. Like he may have just scored a critical hit against this dragon doing like massive amounts of damage, but it still wasn't enough to really do that much damage because it's a dragon. It's a dra and it has a so, bazillion hit points. Exactly. So I don't know one bazillion. intentional thing, but I feel like it kind of at least you know, in addition to being great for the trailer and fantastic cinematically, I think it kind of played into how a lot of people treat hit points in Dungeons and Dragons. So I think, you know, for especially for the movie, I think it was a great point. I think it was fun. Yeah, yeah, Adam, you you also mentioned how in the arena scene, the arena was made up of five foot squares for the yes. uh, shifting <laughs> arena thing. It's true. <laughs> great. It's de like it's a it's a player grid. Is exactly what it is. It 100%. And when they're all sitting around placing bets and everything, it's even fantastic because you can see the player grid. It's almost like someone spent the time to put together all of the terrain that they're about to play on. I want to play D&D around, the around that betting table. Yeah. I, 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 I wish, when I went back and saw this for the third time last night, I wished... Of course you did. found myself that instead of putting like the chips on the betting table, for some reason they were rolling dice. We don't know how they bet in the Forgotten Realms. They could have been rolling dice at that table. And it would have been perfect for like the two seconds that you see that shot. That would have been a cool nod, but yeah. I'm nitpicking at that point. So, but even with it was a great reference to how a lot of people run their campaign battles, which was fantastic. I also um, leading leading up to the uh, arena is another thing that remember when I said that ten percent of things you haven't seen before in a movie. Uh, can we talk about what happens when you fail to concentrate on an illusion properly? Because I <laughs> love watching that scene. Oh, that major image was great. What madness is this? <laughs> if, you, if you're a big fan of Chris Pine, I'd like to apologize in advance before you see this scene because you get to see, get to see him melt like he's cheese on a hot day. <laughs> It really was a great scene. You guys can go out to just for that scene. <laughs> so um, now that, 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 that scene has objectively changed the way that illusion failures will happen in all of my games for the rest of time. Agreed. I especially like this. Something is, something is very wrong. If you're still trying to concentrate, but you failed your concentration check, then the spell is still trying to happen, but something is going wrong. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever been in a game where it didn't just like go away or like, I think it like froze in place. Like, you know, like they were doing something like digging with a shovel and then they just like stopped and then like the dirt froze. I think but my that, favorite that once, but or, I was in a game where that happened to the mage, but I don't know. Like it, it wasn't as creative or interesting as this for sure. 
this was this was very obviously played for laughs and oh, yeah. mission accomplished, guys. <laughs> but um, the uh, the the best played for laughs thing, and this is an entire sequence because everyone's had a story where this happened when they tried to use speak with dead, and that that entire like. That- in the entire movie it's not it's a it's a that's a sequence that's a that's a goddamn eight minute long sequence and it's awesome i also really love the fact that it wasn't just you know as a dm when you normally run a game the first person they resurrect is going to be i'm sorry not resurrect the first person they bring up for speak with dead they're going to know what they need to know because you need this to continue and they need to go do things but the fact that it wasn't and they had to talk to people people to people was amazing excuse me Right, and, but and that and that very first, the very first one where it was like, all right, was that a question? Yes. No, no, I didn't ask answer you. Only talk when I talk to you. Okay. Yes. Why did you say okay? <laughs> like it was such a D and D table moment where the DM's just like, all right, I'm gonna shit with you today. <laughs> <laughs> this right, whole shovel. from start to finish had just a wonderful like energy of a D game i think that's where one of the things they really hit home with is that it felt like you were sitting down with friends and this was the game that you were playing the whole way through also apparently and, apparently the, the, the fish that had the baby tabaxi in it wasn't the fish that was apparently a sahuagin oh was it i don't know what that is fish people it didn't, it didn't look like a sahuagin but we only saw its head so that's that's interesting um but uh Actually, it showed more of it, though it didn't look look just like a giant fish. That would have been cool to know. But um, no, uh, I think uh, I think you just nailed it on the head. Like it, it does feel like a lot of a bunch of friends, and that even that that stands out in the funny moments, like the graveyard scene, but also stands out in the few like I almost cried and cried more than I expected to in a Dungeons and Dragons movie yeah. because of the genuinely touching moments and. That's the beautiful thing about D&D, the game. It's like you, nine times out of ten, you're going to sit around the table and you're going to be laughing and shooting the shit with your friends and it's going to be a good time. And then once once in a while, like twice in a campaign, something really profound happens that makes everybody at the table go, whoa. And it's like, it's like a magical moment. And like a moment for that in the movie was when Michelle Rodriguez and Polga leaves Bradley Cooper's house, Melamin's house, and like he, like uh, Chris Pine can tell, like she is not in a great place emotionally. So he pulls out his lute and starts playing a song, and it it raises the spirits of the group. And it's like it's a it's a wonderful moment of genuine friendship. It's like something that a friend would do. And it's like it's the only moment in the movie where a bard does what a bard does like mechanically if that makes sense like a bard is a a bard is by definite you know it's a person that performs and you know sometimes they play music or sometimes they sing or they they do you know they do acrobatics or whatever but like in D D, a bard they do that but in doing so they afford the the party various various benefits uh and i i assume it works similarly in in fifth edition i'm a third edition guy but i assume you know you know so that for example uh they play uh you know they play a song of inspiration and then the the party's attacks become more accurate or what have you uh and D fulfills that by adding modifiers to dice rolls but you know so that was a um kind of the only part point in the, it's not the only time in the movie where he plays his loot but it's like really the 
he it's a song of inspiration or a song of morale or something like that where yeah it kind of makes everybody happier and it's just like it creates a nice vibe <laughs> that that uh you know it's um, like adam said like it really pulls out the friendship of everybody and that's kind of the only point or the at least the big point that i remember in the movie where it's he does what a D and D bar does, oh. and he's not just playing a song to make money or something, or because he can. You know, a lot of bards are just annoying. <laughs> um, I mean, bards are usually your face and the often the planner, but I mean, I guess anybody can be the planner. But bards are usually the face, and he definitely does that too. Everybody bards are bards all except for the party that they're in. That's the thing Adam used to say when I played a bard. Um, the uh, this one I know we're we're coming up on uh, we're, we're a little over an hour right now and uh, um some 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 folks said they needed to, to leave a little after three so that's one i do want to touch on um the decision that uh edgin makes at the end of the movie they have they've escaped from the maze they've defeated forge uh, well, really, they defeated for what they did was they they robbed all the things that he robbed from the people, um, including this, uh, uh, they, uh, including this. Um, it's Tablet not a scroll of, of resurrection. What do they call it in the movie? Tablet of reawakening. Tablet of reawakening. Okay. Um, so and it, it's uh, a, a magic item that allows one person to be resurrected, even if they've been killed by a means that would otherwise prevent it. Um, and he, you know, this whole movie, he was out to get this item because he wants to uh resurrect his his wife who passed away years ago um but he uh he makes the decision at the last minute to resurrect holga who has been uh defeated in valiant combat by the uh by the red wizard um, it was shanked by the same uh no healing allowed blade that his wife was indeed so he uh because Holga is closer to the mother of his daughter than his wife was because his his wife died when his daughter was very very young. Um, so he he instead of bringing back his wife, he brings back his best friend and the mother figure for his little girl. And I just want to I'm curious if there's any uh, specific thoughts or feelings on I cried. that note. Well, no, you your cat's uh, going to go first. She has the highest initiative. Oh, sorry. Yay! That rarely happens because I normally play our cleric, and for some reason I never roll well as a cleric. Uh, so, anyway, because they they they, they want to cast spells after people get hurt. That's true. We want to we're we're support midlife support. It's where it's where I shine. Um, so I actually really I liked that. I liked that whole sequence. I also really enjoyed the utilization of the dragonfly throughout the movie as he kind of came back to his wife. And um, I had read a couple of things online, kind of debates as to whether the dragonfly was a, uh, a reincarnation of his wife or just an image of what he portrayed for his wife. Um, but I really appreciate the fact, not only did they have this brother-sister platonic relationship, which you rarely get in movies um, between a male and female character. His lips are too big for his head. On top of that, like for him to choose someone that meant more to his daughter now um, than his wife meant to him was not only an amazing growth moment as uh, a character, as a father, as a person, it was a really beautiful story point. Like Adam pointed out, like it was a beautiful point where he chose to bring back someone who was more important to his daughter 
and yes, was very important to him, but was more important in his daughter's life than his wife was. And he even said it in the movie, like he wanted to bring back his wife, not her mom at one point in time, because she never knew her and he wanted her to know her. And so to bring back someone who was her mom and wasn't the woman that he loved as part of his soul was a really big step, was a really amazingly beautiful thing, in my opinion. I'd agree. Uh, and I will I will just add, you know, I it's definitely it struck me as a um, a dungeon master like a very intentional choice put upon a character by a dungeon master, you know, and Adam can attest usually, you know, I have DM some games and Adam has played in them. And usually if I make a character, make a big choice, it's because I force them into an awkward situation and they have, to, they have to basically choose the thing that would just make them the most uncomfortable. So, um, <laughs> but you know, yeah, it definitely struck me as a, like almost a thing that your dungeon master has been planning ahead for this and you can you can choose to save this character that's been your goal all along or you can save this player character what do we do uh luke any thoughts since i pretty much agree entirely with everything that cat just said especially with also with the dragonfly being a, rep a representative uh storytelling device for this for the format of movie uh, I was also kind of looking at it with the the D and D tabletop game reference aspect of it, and going back to what Adam said, he's up here because flipped of how everything's really, really fun and jocular until the one serious thing happens. And I was going to say that usually the serious, the first serious thing that a, a game would have is the death of a player character, and that's and and also in the movie he flat out looks at his daughter and says do you want your mom or do you want holga and she nods for holga it's like all right let's let's get this back but it's also the DD &D thing of having the story related reason to abandon the current solution to your i want my family back because we need to resurrect the player character because we don't want to roll a new character and have a new dynamic established and also because we need our meat shield really really bad we're a bunch <laughs> of squishy people meat shields are important the, yeah, I mean, I mean, she almost literally carries the entire movie in, in, as far as combat is concerned until Doric does. She, she, I was gonna say, yeah, it's she and Doric. And I, re I read somebody who was offended online that the men in this movie were emasculated, but I thoroughly disagree with that take. I just think that they weren't the stereotypical big hulking medieval man type, like Conan the Barbarian. They're or that you know, they but they're still you know, guy. like they're they're very well-rounded characters in this movie across the board uh you know and that applies to men and women of people and people of various races and i am all about seeing interesting people in movies who don't look like me so that's you know like i again i wouldn't chris pine is not the the big the, the you know the manly hero but he is a very he's a really interesting really complex character in this movie um even though he plays a lot of stuff for laughs that doesn't mean that there isn't a lot going on under the hood there yeah, it's it's the Robin Williams thing of I'm covering up my tragedy with jocularity. Um, okay, Adam, I will. Uh, I'll let you. You can touch on this, or I'll let you go first and offer some final thoughts if you like. Uh, anything else about the D and D movie you you want to talk about? Uh, any closing? Any closing moments or closing thoughts? Uh, last thought I'll throw in. I'll, I'll rope it back into the um, Holga's uh, death scene that we were talking about, and then I'll roll right into my final thoughts. 
Um, but the part of that scene that made me tear up was a tie back to when she was leaving. Uh, it was Melamin, the Bradley Cooper's character's uh, house, and he made he made the comment, you know, you know, when you left, like, or when I lost you, I lost my entire family. Now I have that again. I only hope that only hope the same for you and there's a moment right after Holga comes back and she's like why would you do that and everybody like piles on and bear hugs her and you see her like tear up a little bit and I think that's the moment that Holga realizes he has her family net and like it was a it was a nice tie back to that moment and that's when I was like oh that's like a whole other level of deep for like Holga's character not just the deep that Kiss Pine's character uh, Edgen just did so I loved that moment um Overall, I think the movie was great. I've seen it three times. I wouldn't go out to see a movie three times in cinema if I thought it was bad. I might see it if it was mediocre and I really liked it, but it's not mediocre. This is a good movie. It's probably not perfect, but it's as close to perfect as I think you can get with a property like this, and it's pretty great, and I, they definitely left the ending open enough that they could have a sequel, and I hope it performs well enough to get one. And the last closing thought I'm going to say is, if you haven't seen this, you should see it. If you don't play D&D, you should play it. And this movie has a disproportionate number of blue-eyed people in the main cast. <laughs> okay. I wasn't. I guess I wasn't looking that close. I will add that we... Again, correct. Hugh Grant's character, who I can't remember his name, and Sophia are all blue-eyed. Interesting. Four of six main characters. Um I, I will. We talked a little bit about the the box office so far before you joined Adam, and so it is solid. It is not great. Uh, it is not like a. It's like, not pulling in Marvel numbers. Yeah, well, it's even it doesn't it doesn't have to necessarily to be successful, but it's not like like you don't. It comes out on Friday, and you we didn't know by Monday that there was going to get another movie. Right now, it hasn't it hasn't pulled its budget yet, but it doesn't mean it won't. We'll it's, it, it, it's got positive reviews. Like most yeah. people that I've seen, it's like, going to be a more really, movie, I and, and really, I think that uh, a large portion of the people that would see this are diehard D and D fans. And two months ago, Wizards really shot themselves in the foot with their their goodwill with their D, with their own fan base. Yeah, and they've uh, mostly made it right, but the damage was still done, and it still makes um, a lot of people like. The biggest problem I have with this movie, honestly, is at the very end it says based on Hasbro's Dungeons and Dragons. And it's like, right, yes, Hasbro owns Wizards of the Coast, but like Wizards of the Coast is still its own company and that's the name on the book. You didn't like, and they didn't make it. I didn't that. make Dungeons and Dragons. I I'll also add this is probably gonna be like a, a big merchandising movie. Like there's gonna be toys and like you you guys bought apparently more than one of the D D popcorn buckets. That yeah, that giant D twenty that Luke's got there. Hold on, I'll I'll make you bigger. That's a popcorn bucket. Yeah, yeah. To, to be fair, all three of us have one. Yeah, you, you can bring you can bring up the group shot again. All of us are holding ours. I I went for the 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 Mar Super Mario question block ten. I didn't get that one. We win. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> the uh, I um Luke. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, any uh, any closing thoughts? Any uh, Anything else you'd like to touch on? I have heard people discussing the possibility of more D&D &D movies, but also of each of the future D&D &D movies from this point being standalone. Like possibly I was, was going to say that. I hope 
Like uh, one in Crid, one in Emeron, one in Greyhawk. Yeah, since you jumped on jumped on my idea, I'll I'll chime in now. I would like and maybe we get uh, like a D&D universe and occasionally there's a pop-in of a character we've seen already, but like I would like the next movie to be like a whole different cast and either in a different D&D setting or a different region of Forgotten Realms. Um, All that, I'm hoping is... Yeah. Yeah. Was that, Adam? I disagree. I said I disagree. I think it should still be in Forget Forgotten Realms as the main setting for D&D. And if you're going to start tying things under the D&D banner license, then a movie has to appeal to more people than just the fans who know what the hell is going on. You start going, all right, you like you like the last D&D movie, but this one happens in a place called Ravenloft, and it is going to be a very different story to the last one that we watched. People are going to be like, what the hell is this? Yeah, that was, that was where I was leading with it. With As a fan, I'm okay with that, but like, for example, my favorite setting, official setting, at least, is Eberron. But my God, there's a lot of lore in Eberron that's going to confuse the hell out of people with that 30 minutes of exposition. Forgotten Realms is standard fantasy enough that Joe Q moviegoer and his family can go see it and not be completely lost. It's Forgotten so, Realms is generally the one I like the best. Yeah, um, and also, but as long as they don't, as they as they keep like new characters and maybe ancillarily reference, like as long as we don't have a Drizzt Doerden movie. I think I'll be fine. I, I can swear I've read an article in the last seven days that maybe they're going to look at not probably not the main character, but he might appear in a movie if they get to make another one. It would be dumb if they did not include him in a movie. He's that big of a character. I mean, uh, but not, not about like, 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 like how Elminster was in this one for about 45 seconds of screen time. If they bump into Driz Doerden while they're in Icewind Dale, that's fine, but I don't want a Drizzt Doerd live-action D&D movie. That I wouldn't sense. mind it because, I mean, I Drizzt, everybody, everybody I roll Drizzt because he's a cliche, but he built half of the cliches that people like are mad about him for. I'm, so... I'm also primarily using him as an example just because I know he's one of the most popular things, but the established characters have their place in the lore, but I do enjoy seeing the new characters that we don't come in with any preconceptions about. The, the, no one was coming in saying, oh, they got Edgen Darvis wrong. He's not like this in the book I read. There there was none of that because he's a new character. I agree. Yeah, I like I, new characters. I agree with that point for sure. Um, what, what about you, Kat? Any uh, any closing thoughts on the movie? Anything uh, anything else you want to say? Um, I mean, I, I agree with what everyone said here. It's a great movie. It's a great fantasy movie. You don't have to be a D&D &D fan to enjoy it because there is enough exposition. There's enough energy that all you have to do is enjoy fantasy movies. You don't have to be a diehard D&D &D fan. If you are, you're going to enjoy it. By the way, I would also totally watch a Drift movie. I read all of his books. I'd be a fan. But... Um, <laughs> One more point on mine. The, the, the future movie should include like Indiana Jones map travel just so we kind of know where things are. <laughs> I, I would absolutely that. Like, that was one thing I think the movie did well. That like you're not like having to you're not confusing the audience with another level of where is you know where is this graveyard in comparison to Neverwinter because it didn't matter. I know, but I still enjoy this is this is this is personal preference. Like I still enjoy like those parts in Lord of the Rings where it kind of pans out. You kind of see the map as it's kind of like zooming yeah. around. So it doesn't. Do, do we don't necessarily need the here's a city dot and we're going to this city dot, but like it still gives you the there. Are, 
somebody's talking over it or there's some music or whatever like and here's this is where the shire is and it comes over and says this is where rohan is and like yeah you know, it's it doesn't I, we don't it doesn't need to yeah. be the indiana jones thing yeah. but if uh, some, like, some yeah, information like, about the geography would be appreciated yeah, like, like we, we we got the map during the, the the title card of the movie after the prison break thing but that was all we saw of the map if they had like interspersed that a little bit kind of like that i mean i I, I know where these things are, but again, Joe Q moviegoer might not know. He, he might not know if the Crypt Garden Forest is 100 miles that way or next door. It's just one of those small things that's like a suggestion not required based on my preferences. You know, like, and we're we're not dealing with the real world. You know, like the average American knows that if you look at a map, California's on the left and New York City's on the right. Yeah. <laughs> and if you go between them, you know, and we don't because it's a, a made up place. We don't really have that. Um, I worry, like I, I'm sorry. That, go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. No. Yeah. I actually kind of like the fact that you didn't get the geographic references because then the travel felt more realistic. The travel montage that they did didn't feel overly put upon because you had no idea where these places are. You didn't know they were traveling seven days in the wrong direction to go to the graveyard or wherever else they were going because you had no reference. So you didn't have to suspend your belief for that moment because you didn't believe in anything to begin with. Like how so they were teleporting as Joe Q moviegoer, Yeah, like as Joe Q moviegoer, you didn't need to keep up with it because the montage was beautiful and if they handled it in such a way that it was not necessary to understand the geography. I think if you were going for like a vast epic or something, that would be important. But in the context of this movie, I don't necessarily think it was. It's, yeah, it's it's every, yeah. Go ahead. So everything, was, so everything was in the ballpark of Neverwinter. I understand it for this movie. But if there was more travel in a future movie, I feel like it would be a or necessary. If it was, yeah. if the, if the story wasn't so like, like that, like, I almost said down to earth, but if it wasn't so focused on a small group of people and if it was more like the political or like focused on nations or kings, like even like Game of Thrones or even Lord of the Rings, um, then I think it's probably more more important to know where Rohan and Gondor are related to Mordor, for example. Um, but, you know, this was it's a very small group of people who travel some distance, but you, you know, I don't know. That's that, that's probably a good point too. I just love. That. I think it, it, it <laughs> ties back. To, it ties back to the point I made earlier that I think what this movie gets travel done well, and it's a good lesson for like DMs or players in that like you don't always have to know where things are. You can hand wave travel away if the travel is not important. For something like Lord of the Rings, the story is walking from the Shire to Mordor. That's the story. Everything else is what happens along the way. Everything is the reason, but the story is let's walk from the Shire to Mordor and see what happens along the way. So the travel is very important for that story. In this case, the travel wasn't very important. If, if they came out with another movie and it was, all right, uh, you're leaving Neverwinter to go and, conf and confront the Thayans in Thay, well, then you might want to show the travel in that case. But in this case, I don't think it's, it's, I don't think it's necessary. And I think it helps the average movie goer accept the story because it's not very relevant. And I say that as somebody who is also a huge map dork and I love maps. Okay. So, uh, another final thought. It's not that, it's not that I just yeah, like please. maps. I love maps. Yeah. I, I have my one last final thought on the movie. Thank God. 
that the Thans are such utter bastards. We we get good classic like Disney evil level bad guys. There's none of that morality bullshit or gray areas. We have people that are bad guys. They are basically it's like if they are bald and have tattoos on their head, they are bad guys. It's just nice having like like oh good we have. I don't have to worry about what their motivation is or whose side yeah, I'm on. I think no, that's a big are... reason that they picked the the red wizards. Oh yeah, you we have designated bad guys. Yeah, you can point out that the people that are in the crazy red cloaks are bad. You know, it's a very that's a very Disney or like very Star Wars thing. Where <laughs> as Luke looks at himself, um, they're you know like the Star Wars. It's all in Star Wars. It's all about the silhouettes, and you can point out the shape. You don't even have to know it's Darth Vader. Or you don't have to know, you know, like when Anakin is, or, or you know, I'm gonna when Obi Wan, he, you know, he's the good Jedi and he wears light colors. And then when Anakin isn't sure, he kind of wears like browns and grays. And then when Anakin goes bad, he wears black. You know, like it's very, it's visual, and you know, and you know, like just like in, in this movie, you have the code your dance. and she she disguises herself as part of the movie, but or in, during during a good chunk of the movie. But then when the red comes out, you're like, oh, she's one of them and they are bad Especially and, and i think it, Damn. and i think it's something that uh uh wizards is very conscious of because they did it in such a way that like a lot of times in movies when you cast let's say bayans because it's a nationality you'll often have one group of people one like demographic of people play that group um, like and, and that's that's a good point because um uh, Zank the the paladin is actually from yeah, Thay. He's a right, yeah. He's a fan. That's what I was getting to. Is that we see that Thayans are multicultural. So it's not like a lot of movies from the two thousands. If if there was some like bizarrely kind of Eastern esque culture, then they would look vaguely Persian, and then they wore makeup and they were the bad guys. It was just like it, it. It started to like toe into like, just dunk full heartedly into real world racism, and, and that's something that, Avatar: that, The Last Airbender here. <laughs> but it's it's something that Wizards uh, with D and D has been very conscious of recently in the fact that the that called races in D and D and what that means, and they're they're kind of removing some of the old restrictions because they were problematic in their uh, in what they implied, but. They also in this movie showed that like yeah we're we're dealing with the Thayans and they're bad but they're not bad because they're bad they're bad because Vast Tam was like I'm gonna turn you all into undead evil things and you're all under my control but let's also establish that not all of them are bad anyway and we have one good one so it just shows that they're uh, it's something they've been very conscious of in the last year or so. Um, as people started to call him out on it, and I found it interesting, and I think they handled it well because, again, the stands that we see are diverse in and of themselves. I like it. Uh, so I, I think you know we we definitely like the movie. I I certainly recommend you check it out, whether you play D and D or not. It's uh, um, it's way I better really... than Warcraft was. It's way better than Warcraft was. This is like the third time we've mentioned the Warcraft movie of all things. Um, but it's uh, it, this it's a great time and it's funny and it's fun, um, and it's you know it's got a really warm like like family message at the end and it's yeah this is like it's 
probably about as good as I could have expected a movie with Dungeons and Dragons in the title to be. And it thrills me to be able to say that. And um, it's got a mid credit sequence. So don't leave until you see it. It does have a mid credit sequence. Uh, and you should, uh, you should hang out because it's funny. Um, as always, uh, thanks for watching. Uh, if you want to hear more, don't forget to like, and subscribe. My name is Brandon. I'm engine 25 on all the things, uh, sometimes with an underscore at the end. Um, you can find us on YouTube. Oh, everybody's waving over here. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm reading the script. I didn't. I could can't see the the multi view. Um, uh, you can find us on YouTube and podcast services by uh, searching Engine Twenty Five Reviews. No space in Engine Twenty Five. Uh, we'll be back soon with a new review. And until then, guys, uh, go watch a movie.